Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, and just for the last episode here, Chase McCallum is not with us. He will be making his return on Thursday to the podcast, though, so uh, I know people are going to be excited for that. And uh, filling in for him once more, it is Chris Bengal of CBS, uh, NHL writer for CBS Sports. If you missed our podcast that came out Saturday, we've already recapped the entire, sorry, not recap, previewed the entire Eastern Conference playoff picture. Uh, and we're doing a double header here, even though it's coming out a couple days later. Uh, we're on to the Western side of things. As we record, the uh, Colorado Avalanche are up 3-1 on the Nashville Predators, and this game does count for seeding. So we're going to start with the Pacific Division, and hopefully by the time we're done the Pacific, the game, uh, it, it looks like it might be out of hand already, just given what teams have to play for, but, you know, never say never. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll preview the Central as well, and uh, obviously going to be a bit of an asterisk that... Uh, um, the matchups might change a little bit, but uh, we'll start with the Pacific here because those are the two matchups that have been set in stone so far. And sorry, Chris, I should say welcome back to the show. Um, you know, I, uh, I, we're, we're recording back to back here, so it definitely feels a little different for you and I, but um, thank you so much for joining me for another uh, edition of this. Yep, absolutely. Happy to be here and uh, happy to break down the West. It's going to be, uh, you know, Colorado holds on here, which it looks like they will at all. We'll finally hammer out that Western Conference playoff picture that, of course, had to come down to the very last day because why not? Literally the final game of the season uh, it comes down to. So and then, yeah, of course it would, because that's just how things work. But uh, we got the Pacific Division down. We know that. And it's going to be a central team in the wild card facing the Pacific Division winner, Vegas Golden Knights, who uh, um, claim their their final uh their spot in first place in the final game of the season as well. 111 points, 51 wins, 22 losses, nine overtime losses, 272 goals for 229 against for a plus 43. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, on the other hand, 46 wins, 33 losses, just three overtime losses for 95 points. Uh, they went 247 and 225 again, or 247 for 225 against 20, plus 22 goal differential. Um, this is going to be an interesting series. Uh, I don't, I think this is going to be one that, you know, without being, it almost sounds mean when you say people don't care. People will obviously care about this series, but I could definitely see this one maybe not getting as much attention from just the casual fan base, if that makes sense, just given the two teams involved. But I do think there's going to be some really good hockey uh, in when it comes to this series. Yeah, I think this is one that, you know, it's not going to live up to the expectations of a, you know, Devil's Rangers, something in that realm um you know it's probably going to be one that you know assumingly vegas probably controls um but stranger things have happened and it's it's still going to be an interesting one to watch um obviously vegas back in the playoffs this year is you know very interesting they kind of bounce back in a big way this year so i think they're always a team that you know whether you know, whether teams are rooting against them or for them, it's, you know, they're always that polarizing team kind of in the Western conference, I think. So um, it's a, it's a series that people still probably the hardcore hockey fan will have their eye on, but um, the casual fan probably is not all in on this one. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it's funny too, cause I, uh, 
I was thinking about it from the Jets perspective because on uh, Saturday I'm, I'm going, I'm on uh, game over Winnipeg for uh, the Steve Dangle podcast network and joining them to kind of preview this series as well. And so I sorry, I was thinking about from the Winnipeg perspective and oddly enough, I, I do think Vegas. So Winnipeg was in this weird mold of a, they were fighting for their lives all the way down the last couple of games, obviously just to make playoffs. But then once they're in, they had the chance of play. Seattle was easily the first wild cards. So they knew their second wild card spot, but they didn't know if they're going to play Vegas, Edmonton, Colorado, or Dallas. They had a chance at really all four of those guys until about a game or two left of in the um, seats. And even Minnesota was in there. So, you know, you take the handful of four or five teams and weirdly enough, and I, I do think Vegas should be and will be and should be rightfully favored in this series. But if I'm Winnipeg, Vegas is probably the team out of those handful of teams I just named that I'm most okay playing. And the biggest reason for me is health. This Vegas team, it's been really impressive what they've done this year, considering they have missed, you know, some key players for a large amount of time. Mark Stone's been out of the lineup for a good chunk of the season. He's apparently ready to go for playoffs, but much like we talked about last episode with Matthew Barzell, who knows what percentage he's actually going to be at. And if there's any rust, he needs to knock off, but Jack Eichel and, and uh, Alex Petrangelo had missed a little bit of time here and there. So, um, you know, they have a very good team. It's just trying about keeping this team healthy. And so if I'm, if I'm Winnipeg, that's, you know, maybe where I I'm looking to try and hope that, you know, not all their guys are at a hundred percent and you can take advantage of that. I think that's definitely a fair point. I mean, it, it probably is the matchup that they wanted really. Um, you know, not maybe as dynamic of an offense as some of these other teams. Um, and, you you know, Eichel's kind of came on lately is, you know, healthy now and you know, um, points in nine straight and is playing really well for Vegas. But, um, you know, if you look, you know, obviously, like we've said, goaltending is always going to be a big deal, but um the advantage is on the Winnipeg side and it's, you know, not really even close with, you know, Logan Thompson. Is he going to come back at any point during the postseason? We have no idea. Um, you know, nothing's really been said on that front. So um, you have a combination, you have Jonathan quick who they acquired at the trade deadline. Um, you know, not obviously not what he was in the past, when he was winning Stanley Cups with the Kings. So I think that's definitely an area that certainly where Winnipeg has a huge advantage, I think, is in net. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, Hellebuck has been tremendous. I mean, you know, I think from a good majority of the year was kind of in that dark horse Vesna conversation. He was just playing extremely well and, you know, said – you know, a really great year. So I think that um, that's definitely an area where Winnipeg definitely can have the upper hand uh, against Vegas. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel so much better about Connor Hallibuck versus, I, I think it, Logan Thompson got activated, I believe, late in the season. So he should be, I, I think, the guy to um, go, I would assume. But, you know, they did mount to, he, he did get hurt again, even um, on, I think it was, I want to say it was March 24th, um, or is that when he got back? Yeah, no, uh, Logan Thompson left on March 24th. So, like, he, he came back mid-March, got hurt again in March. So, who knows if he's going to be able to play or not. He is on their NHL roster. So, 
it's a bit of a coin flip. But as you said, like, even if he is playing, he's been solid this year. But I'm taking Connor Allibuck over him any day of the week. You know, Connor Allibuck is top three, top five goalie in the league, undisputedly. Um, and, you know, as dragged this team at times, just kicking and screaming, you know, when they don't want to uh, do anything. So he's, he's been their rock back there. And yeah, Jonathan Quick, like, he had a good quote unquote last couple games with Vegas, and that got him all the way up to a 901 save percentage with the team through 10 games. So, you know, I, I just, yeah, Jonathan Quick is not who we, uh, he used to be, that is for sure, and, and a very good way to put it. So, um, you know, what, I, what I'm really interested to see is how does this Vegas team do at scoring goals um, throughout the series? Because, um, you know, they, they at five on five this year were not the greatest goal scoring team. Um, they were just kind of, Kind of league average, you know, uh, goal scored per 60. They were about 18th in the league at five on five. And, um, you know, part of that is missing a guy like Mark Stone for so long, obviously. And, and you know, even Jack Eichel was 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 out for um, not a long time, but he, he definitely missed a, a little period of time there, I think, in the middle of the season. So, um, and obviously just losing Max Pacioretty is a cap casualty this offseason kind of hurt as well. But We've seen in past playoff series, which is funny to say about a team that obviously they missed last year, but in past years have made it back-to-back conference finals. But once they get to those teams that play really stingy defensively or have a really good goalie, I find sometimes they have a hard time breaking through offensively and, and trying to score goals in bunches, you know, like they maybe can do in the regular season. So when you have Connor Hellebuck in net, I think the best chance for this Winnipeg team, and I think they're more thought of as offensively, but they got to kind of play really solid defensively and just take their chances when they get it the other way. Because if they can suffocate this Vegas team, Vegas, at least in the past, has shown that they will get frustrated. No, I think that's that's definitely a fair point. I mean, in, in the past, that definitely has been the case. And I think this is another series where goaltending is going to reign supreme and you're going to see i think you're going to see a couple of those two to one type games and winnipeg is going to just have to take you know take their shot when they can if they get you know get on the power play they need to take advantage of those opportunities they you know vegas is a team that you know they're not really an elite offensive team i mean Obviously, they haven't had Mark Stone for a good portion of the year, which obviously is going to slow down any team not having your captain like that. But at the same time, if you look, um, you know, you look at how Vegas is going to configure their lines, it's going to be a little interesting. I feel like outside of their top six, it kind of really falls off. I mean, Chandler Stevenson is pretty, pretty solid playmaker. But outside of that, there's not a ton there to speak of. I mean, Bill Kessel had an okay-ish season, I guess you could say, um, at this point, it, you know, being in his mid-30s, but um, definitely, again, much like Quick, not what he was. And, you know, I just think that the Jets have more of a chance here, I think, than most people would like to admit. I mean, Vegas should be the favorite. I don't I don't know if I – I wouldn't say I expect them to lose this series, but I think Winnipeg has more of a chance than maybe people want to give them credit for. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I really, really enjoyed the pickup of Nino Niederreiter for Winnipeg at the deadline. Um, I think that's a guy who could be a bit of a dark horse to give this team some depth because – um, yeah, like it's weird just looking at their daily face of lineup because it hasn't updated from game 82. So they have like Morgan Barron as two left wing because the game didn't mean anything and that's just who they were playing. But uh, they're they're going to run some combo of Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, Nikolai Nicola Ehlers, 
and then uh, Blake Wheeler, um, uh, not, I already said, Mark Shifley uh, is going to be up there as well. Nino Niederreiter, as I already mentioned, um, you know, that, that'll probably make up their top six. Unfortunately, Cole Perfetti's on the IR. He doesn't sound like he is going to be uh, back for this series. He, he sounds like he's out long-term, which is a, a tough loss as well. But um, Adam Lowry, Mason Appleton, like those are some decent depth players. Uh, David Gustafson um, as well. Um, um Excuse me, sorry. Uh, Gustafson's not uh, not much of a, a name to worry about, but you know he's he's a younger guy, twenty two, I want to say, and so at least there's some upside there. Whereas you know Vegas doesn't necessarily have that, as you mentioned, when they're playing guys like Phil Kessel in their bottom six or whatever. And then on the blue line is where I really think things are going to get interesting. I, I think Vegas has a solid blue line, but um, how Winnipeg chooses to deploy theirs will also be interesting. Where you know I really like Dylan Demello. I think he's a perfect second pair guy. Um, and I wish Ottawa still had him to be completely honest, but he'll, he'll be a great fit with no matter who he plays with. And then, you know, Josh Morrissey had a bit of a bounce back season. Nate Schmidt is a solid uh, player as well. And then you got to figure out what you do with Brendan Dillon, Neil Pionk, uh, Dylan Sandberg, Logan Stanley's in that mix as well. Like it's uh it's a who's who of names there and they have a lot to play with, but how they actually distribute, I think is going to be the ter- determining factor when it comes to how can they shut down this Vegas team. Yeah. I mean, it, it's all going to start at the top. I mean, I think Josh Morrissey really burst onto the scene this year and had a tremendous year. I mean, 76 point season and just looked like, you know, one of the top D men in the league and, you know, having a guy like that, that I think is definitely going to make like diff- life difficult for Vegas. They're, they're really going to have, have to see their star forwards produce. Like, I mean, it's crazy to think about, but Jack Eichel has never played in the postseason. which, I mean, I guess that's what happens when you play for the Sabres for seven years. But, um, it's, but I mean, despite that they're finally coming around now, but um, I just feel like Eichel is going to have to rise to the occasion. Marsha show is going to have to come up huge. Um, you know, William Carlson, guys like that are really going to have to step up and put the puck in the net when they have the opportunity, because Vegas just doesn't have the depth up and down their roster to, um, to hang with a lot of teams. And even Winnipeg, I think is good enough defensively to, you know, make life a little bit difficult. And when you have a goalie, like, Connor Hellebuck, I mean, he can he can stand on his head, you know, on an average day and just be tremendous. So I think, you know, it's really going to be interesting to see if Vegas's star players, so to speak, can, you know, kind of rise to the occasion and put the puck in the net. Yeah, for sure. Um, give me a serious prediction. Where, where are you leaning on this one? I think um, I will go. I'll go Golden Knights in six. I think um, it has the potential to be a little bit closer. I think than people might want to admit, but I think at the end of the day, they are you know they are the better team, and I think I think that they'll be able to pull it out, even if uh, Hellebuck you know kind of has a game or two where he's you know out of this world. So I think I'll uh, I'll say Golden Knights in six. I think that's the most likely outcome, but I'm going to go Winnipeg in seven just to throw a throw an upset into my picks here. If you know people listen to the Eastern one, my 
my picks were maybe a little vanilla in terms of, you know, upsets or anything. I, we always seem to have one big one. So, um, yeah, I do think the most likely outcome is Vegas wins. But I, I do think if there's a wild card versus a top seed here, this is one where I like the matchup of Hellebach versus whoever plays for the Golden Knights. And, and yeah, I'm just... With, you know, Mark Stone's health in question, Jack Eichel, I I think he's going to shine. I don't have too many worries about him, but he is unproven in the playoffs so far. You know, Petrangelo's another year older, even Shea Theodore's another year older. So uh, I'm going to go with Winnipeg gets it done in seven, the full upset um, on a 1v8 here. Um I, I don't know how much I believe that, but that's what I'm going to go with. We're, we're going to stick with it. So uh, let's go on to the other um, Pacific Division series, which is a rematch of last year. In, uh, and funny, too, because, you know, not often do you get a rematch where I feel like both teams have gotten a good step better, to be quite honest with you. Um, but that is the case with the Edmonton Oilers versus LA Kings. Uh, Edmonton will once again be playing host. These teams finished two and three last year as well, uh, finished in the same order this year. Uh Edmonton finishes 109 points, going 50, 23, and 9. Uh, 325 goals for, 260 against for a plus 65 goal differential. They're finishing the year on a W9 streak, 9-0-1 in their last 10. Uh, the LA Kings went 47, 25, and 10 uh, for 104 points, 280 goals for, 257 against, plus 23, 5-5-0 in their last 10. Uh this is going to be an interesting series. I, I think the Oilers are getting a lot of love in terms of being one of the best teams, not only in the Pacific, but in the entire Western Conference. And, and I do think it's fair. The additions they made, especially in Matias Ekholm at the trade deadline, has really pushed this team over the top in terms of what it's done to their defense core. Um, so I, I definitely think it's fair, but I don't think we should be sleeping on this LA Kings team either that you know has gotten another year of experience from some of their young guys, but also really saw some good additions by bringing in Kevin Fiala, you know, Victor Arvidsson's on this team. Like they have a sneaky good offense as well. And I don't think they should be counted out. No, I a hundred percent agree. I think, I think it's fair to say the Oilers deserve to be favored in this series, but the Kings absolutely cannot be counted out. Um, the way they played down the stretch and, you know, the assemble assembling of talent that they had over the past year. I mean, I think, um, Kevin Fiala was a guy that, you know, was always, was always really good in Minnesota. Um, but now it's kind of, you know, one of the top options here in LA and he's, he's played tremendous. Um, Arvidsson down the stretch has been great, um, towards the end of the season. I really like that pickup a lot. And I think that's really been huge for them. Uh, I think, you know, and then you have those veterans, you still have, I mean, Anze Kopitar, I mean, you know, I feel like maybe some people want to think of as an afterthought. I mean, he is 35, but he's blood the team in points still. He's still really good and, you know, not quite as dangerous as maybe he once was, but is still a really strong player up the middle at that center position. So I think the Kings are definitely going to make this an interesting series. I don't I don't think there's any doubt about that. And, um, you know. They're going to have their hands full, definitely, when it comes to their their defense because the Oilers are the Oilers. Connor McDavid is, you know, going to make everybody look silly because that's just what he does. But this is definitely more intriguing of a series, I think, than maybe some might want to admit. Yeah, I think if you polled NHL fans and asked how many goals did Andre Kempe have this year, 
20% of them or less would have had him scoring over 40. And he has 41 on the season this year. Like just a quiet 40 goal scorer, maybe one of the quietest in the entire league. Like this team's got a really deep offense to speak with. And I think if they are going to beat the Edmonton Oilers, it's got to be through the depth of their offense. You know, if you can run Quinton Byfield, Anze Kopitar, Andre Kempe as a, a top three, and then uh, maybe Trevor Moore, Phil Deneau, Victor Arvidsson on your second line. And then you go, say, Alex Ayafalo, or maybe that's where you put Kevin Fiala, Blake Lazat, and Arthur Kaliev. And then Ayafalo's down on your fourth line uh, with Gun- Grundstrom and uh, Rasmus Kupari or something like that. Like, I, I do like that depth uh, compared to maybe Edmonton's, where um, Edmonton's is a lot better than in past years as well. You know, you got Nick Bukestad, Matthias Yanmark is a solid pickup. Ryan McLeod, Warren Fogel, Derek Ryan is a solid fourth line as well. Um, but, you know, I, I think if I'm Edmonton, when it, when it comes to that depth, what I'm really going to be curious to see is do they let McDavid just kind of cook by himself? And what I mean by that is do they throw Matthias Yanmark on his wing and let Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman play on their own third line to try and counteract that uh, LA Kings depth that the Fords might be able to provide? Or or does Edmonton stack up their top six, go RNH, McDavid, Hyman, Evander Kane, Dreisaitl, Yamamoto in the top six and go all out and say, all right, we just need our depth to play to even. We know the top six is going to win their matchups. Um, seeing how that unfolds, I think, is going to be the most curious part about this series to me. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I mean, at at the same time, I mean, you know what you're going to get with with McDavid. I mean, he he's going to do damage no matter how the lines are stacked up, but how they do stack it up, you know, are they going to go fairly top heavy or are they going to kind of spread out um, to kind of limit or kind of keep the Kings on their toes, so to speak? Um, I'd. I do think that's going to be definitely something to watch. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think also you've got two underrated goalies in this matchup too, that kind of, I feel like burst up out of nowhere. Um, You know, we've got Stuart Skinner on one side with Edmonton and where, you know, Jack Campbell was thought to be the guy. And, you know, I would assume they're going to go with Skinner. And on the other side, Phoenix Copley has, you know, went from relative unknown journeyman AHL goaltender to, you know, has been a guy that's burst on the scene this year and been pretty solid with a 2.6 goals against. He's been really good at times. And, you know, even if he were to struggle a little bit, they also have uh, Jonas Corpusala who came over in the Jonathan Quick trade, um, who's no slouch either. So, you know, there's, I feel like this is going to be, a very entertaining series. I think there's going to be a lot of offense and I think more offense from the Kings than, you know, maybe someone expect, but I just think that the Kings cannot be counted out in this one by any stretch. No, I completely agree. And I, I forgot Gabriel Velarde as, as an option for that Kings forward core as well. Right. So it just gets even deeper and deeper. And then, yeah, um, the goaltending is going to be interesting. I, I'm going to be, very curious to see if Phoenix Copley gets the start or if it's Jonas, Jonas Corposalo uh, for game one and how how big of a leash they have. You know, we kind of talked with in the Eastern Conference preview with uh, um, Carolina, you know, with Frederick Anderson. And and if he does start, you know, how much of a leash will he, he play with? Um, I think it's similar but different reasons here in L.A. where 
you know, with the Frederick Anderson thing, it's just, you don't know how good he's going to be. So that's why he's got a short leash. Whereas in LA, I think if, you know, if they start Phoenix Copley and he does struggle, um, you know, it's maybe not a lack of trust you have in him, but yeah, the fact that you went out and got Jonas Corposalo for that exact reason where, you know, you can start Corposalo or Corposalo instead, or vice versa. If, you know, it's the other way around where they, they decide to start Corposalo, um, and I think they will. I would lean they're going to go Corposalo. He's got a 921 in 11 games. Copley cooled down a little bit near the end, but you know I, I definitely think it'll be a coin flip. But just keeping an eye on how big of a leash either of those guys have will definitely be a talking point in this series. That's for sure. No, I completely agree. I mean, I think that is a situation where I don't think either guy for the Kings, regardless of who starts from the beginning, like if you know say Corpus Salad gets the start and, you know, gives up four or five goals in the opening game. Is he going to be back out there the next next night? I won't be surprised if they completely change it up and uh, make that change regardless of who ends up starting the series. And you do have two solid options. I think there where, you know, whereas, um, you know, some teams maybe don't have that luxury, but um, I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Corpus Allo got the start, but um, it, it is really up in the air. I think it, it's going to be interesting. And I think either way, their work is definitely going to be cut out for them that the defense is going to have to really come up big, um, especially those, those top four, um, you know, Drew Doughty is really going to have to play well and kind of going to have to play like the Drew Doughty of old um, in order to slow down these Oilers forwards, which obviously, you know, team that averages the most goals in the league is going to be easier said than done, but they're still going to have to try their best to at least limit McDavid and company a little bit. Yeah, I do really like this LA defense as, you know, a sneaky underrated defense in terms of Doughty, Mikey Anderson, Vladislav Gavrikov, Matt Watt or Matt Roy, Sean Dursey, Sean Walker, Alex Edler is another option for them as well. Um, they definitely are a solid defense, but as you said, like McDavid's speed is just so silly. And and we barely even mentioned Leon Dreisaitl, who, you know, is an absolutely elite player in his own right. And again, like they're both so good. It's almost when we're talking about these two teams, we almost don't need to talk about them because we just know how how damn good they are. Right. So, um, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where they're, they're going to have their their hands full and um so will the, the defensive uh, unit for for Edmonton back the other way and it uh again I've really loved what Eckholm's done he's taken big minutes which has allowed Nurse to slide down a pair and it's helped Bouchard look good as well Kulak on that third pairing I've really liked as well so um you know I, I think Edmonton's it's not a great unit by any means but it's definitely rounding in it's rounded into form since they picked up Eckholm he's made a big difference uh I'm going to go Oilers in six here. I do think that the Kings are, they're going to stick with it. They're going to win a couple games. I could even see them pushing to seven, but I, I just think at the end of the day, I like Edmonton's goalies just as much as LA's and the high-end offensive talent of McDavid and Drysaddle is going to win out. Yeah, I think I think the Oilers are where I'm going to go here. I've you know kind of thought um, for a while now that they ha- they definitely have what it takes to make a deep run at the finals this year. So um, I think they get it done here. I will say I'll say it gets forced to seven, but I just because I think both of these offenses are so good and I won't be surprised at all. You know, as long as the Kings can get semi-decent goaltending at times, 
Um, their offense is good enough that they can, you know, stay in this series and, you know, potentially make it a really tight, long series. But I'll say Oilers in seven. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, too, because I think this could be a series where both goalies play particularly fine and still come out with like a 902 save percentage because there's like a 7-5 game that's just it's all offense kind of like last year honestly there was a couple games where uh it was I think Mike Smith stood on his head and then a couple games he had a clunker and same back the other way where um you know LA I think it was I can't even remember if it was Cal Pedersen or Jonathan Quick in that at the time it was Quick honestly and, and he would stop 30 three of 39, but he like, he let in th- six goals, but he still played relatively well just because of how just like a, much of a circus it was offensively. But I could definitely see that being the case. I think it'll be, you know, both offenses are just so good. I do think the decors are upgraded again this year as well. So maybe we won't see so much silly high danger uh, stuff, but I, I think the offensive will definitely win out versus defenses in this series. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't think, that's out of the realm of possibilities at all. Just both of these, both of these teams are just so well-rounded. I think Um, I just think that as long as the goaltending isn't atrocious, which I don't think that it will be, um, you know, I think we'll see Skinner for the most part, I would think in that for Edmonton has been, he's been good throughout the year. Um, You know, it's kind of came out of nowhere and played well and, I think both goalies for LA are good enough to keep them in games, even with how talented Edmonton is on the other side. But uh, I do think that ultimately I think Edmonton is just going to be a little bit too much um, for the Kings here. And I think they'll, they'll, they'll squeak this one out. Yep. I definitely don't disagree with that. So uh, halfway there, uh, we'll get to the other two series in a second, but first I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors at athletic greens. Their signature AG1 is the highest quality ingredients, the strictest manufacturing standards, uh, and more. Made of 75 of the highest quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source nutrients in the world, and manufactured with the strictest quality standards. It's even NSF certified for sport, uh, a robust certification process that involves ingredient and finished batch testing of AG1. Uh, Simply follow the link in our show description to get started today. All right, Chris. So the Colorado Avalanche have decided to be mean and throw a wrench in our plans here. Uh, I try not to update people of what's going on live too often, but Colorado's left three goals on seven shots, uh, and the game is now 3-3. I was pretty confident that Colorado was going to win this game. I still think they probably eke it out, but I'm a little worried now. So what we're going to do is we're going to start by previewing Colorado versus Seattle. But we're, I'm going to keep in mind as well when we're talking about the next four teams that three of them could be playing each other in any order. Um, I, I do think that regardless, Seattle is very clearly the fourth best team of the four we're about to talk about. So I, I don't think whoever they play, the 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 formula is going to change too much. And, and maybe let's just start talking about their team. And, you know, regardless if they play Dallas or Colorado, I do think they're going to be significant enough underdogs just you know they've they've had a really good year and surprised um a lot of people myself included i i didn't think you know i, I liked what they did in the offseason i didn't think it was going to be enough to be comfortably in a playoff spot um but you know let's talk about what it maybe looks like for seattle to try and pull off an upset against either one of the colorado avalanche or the dallas stars yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be an uphill battle for them. I can't say that I expected the Kraken to be in this position by any means. Um, you know, I 
I did like what they did in the offseason, adding Borakovsky. Um, you know, you kind of saw you saw saw Matty Beneers really come on, and you know, there was a reason that he was getting a lot of hype for the Calder preseason and all like that. He's played really well on that top line. You know, just a lot, and then a lot of the guys they took in that expansion draft just have, you know, whether it's chemistry, what have you. It just seems to be a well, really well-rounded team that I don't think. I mean, I definitely didn't see coming. I thought they would be a little bit better than last year, which I mean, only one thing was like twenty-seven games last year, so it's not like the bar was set super high. But to see the way they've come out, they definitely are an interesting team that has the potential to, you know, make a series interesting. Do I think they can beat a Colorado, a Dallas, Minnesota, whatever the case is? Most likely not, um, depending on what that specific matchup is. But I, like you said, I don't think it's going to change too much. I, I do believe that they are firmly entrenched as the fourth best team of the of the four that we talked about, and I, I just don't think that they're going to be able to do enough to you know keep up and make make it a six or seven game series against whoever, you know, they end up playing. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I really like their forward core and how they built around it. You know, um, Tolvanen has been a a great player, a pickup in terms of a guy they, they literally just got for free off of waivers. Um, you know, he's been a solid pickup. Bjorkstrand they got for a second and a third, I want to say, because Columbus was paying Gabranson instead and didn't have the cap space. Like that's a real sneaky pickup as well. You know, obviously Jared McCann in the expansion draft. Uh, yeah, Jane Schwartz, and then you, they have a full year of healthy Yanni Gord, um, you know, and uh, Matt, Matty Beneers coming in has been everything that they've hoped and more. So, you know, they, they don't really have a first line necessarily, but they have three second lines, which really makes their team pretty deep going with McCann, Beneers, Eberle, Schwartz, Wenberg, Geeky, uh, Tolbin and Gord and Bjorkstrand. And then that fourth line of Tanev, Donato, Sprong, I, I really enjoy as well. Um, and then on the blue line, you know, again, I, I really think they've just done a, a good job of having three second pair kind of things of Vince Dunn, Adam Larson, Jamie Alexiak, William Borgen, and, and um, Carson Susie and Justin Schultz. Like that's just a, a bunch of guys who Vince Dunn and Adam Larson are probably close to, to number twos more than anything. And, but then Alexiak is probably a three, four Borgen, Susie and Schultz are all in that four five, you know, defenseman area. So they, they just, they don't have, they lack the star power really. And I do think Matty Beneers can easily get there, but if we're talking just this season, they definitely lack the super high end talent, which is why I think they will definitely struggle against, you know, a Jason Robertson or Joe Pavelski of Dallas or um, the Kale McCars and Nathan McKinnon's obviously of the uh, Colorado avalanche. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's, you know, crazy to say at all. I, they do lack that kind of superstar quality player. Like, I mean, it was great to see Jared McCann kind of have that career year, score 40 goals this year. And, you know, playing with Beneers really, I feel like, brought the best out of him. And, you know, it was very awesome to see. But at the same time, this team just, I don't think, is going to be able to score enough to keep pace with, especially at Colorado, but and any of these teams, really. I just think they're each of these other three teams are just so much more, just have so much more depth 
um, you know, within their top six. And, you know, you've got, you know, Kaprizov with Minnesota. You've got, you know, like you said, Robertson and Pavelski. You've got McKinnon. You've got just the superstar talent is clear on all three of these other rosters. And, you know, maybe it's not quite the same on Seattle. And and it's not like they have an elite goaltender either that's going to, you know, um, make life difficult for the other team. They don't have a Connor Hellebuck, someone like that, that's going to really shut the opposing team down when, you know, they need a big performance. So I think it's definitely going to be an uphill battle for Seattle, to say the least. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is unlike um, Winnipeg or or anyone like that with a goal and even the Islanders on the other side where, you know, at least they have the goalie and you can count on the goalie and should give them an advantage. Philip Grubauer has been god awful again this year. You know, he's picked it up a little bit, I think, as the season's gone on, but he just hasn't been good compared to anything else. And, you know, especially compared to, again, he's either going to have to play in Dallas uh Jake Ottinger, one of the best young looking goalies in the, in, in the league or um, Alexander Gorgiev, who has been outstanding this year, you know, behind a, a really good defensive uh, avalanche team. So um, yeah, I, I think just in general, I, I think if the, the Kraken play either of the avalanche or stars, I really don't think the series changes too much. I, I think the Kraken win one for sure. I, I may, and maybe they get swept, but I, I think they could win one for sure. Maybe they win two. I have a hard time seeing them push a series to seven, though. I think they'll 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 be closer than maybe some people will give them credit for, but I just don't think they're going to have enough to get it done in the end. No, I I completely agree. I I just don't I don't think the talent level is just like we said. It's just not the same as on these other on these other teams. It's just it's just that simple. I think, and I think. The Kraken probably steal one at home. Um, you know, it seems like they do have a nice, you know, home ice advantage there. The fan base in Seattle has really latched on to the team, which is always awesome to see when it when it comes to an expansion team. But I just I just think that at the most they'll win they'll probably win one game. So this one, I mean, maybe it goes six, but I'd I'd be very surprised if that was the case. Yeah, I kind of agree. And let, let's take a look at Colorado first out of the the three teams we'll preview next. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, people listening to this will know if they they ended up winning the game against Nashville or not. But regardless, I mean, um, obviously a huge blow to the news of no Gabriel Landeskog at all. They're counting him out for the entire year. Didn't play a game this year with that knee surgery that he got in the offseason. Um, they still look really good without him. But again, that would have been a massive addition to have heading into the playoffs. Um Regardless, not quite as deep of a team as last year, obviously, but still a very solid team. Um, I'll be interested to see how they throw the lines together. Right now, Daily Faceoff has Evan Rodriguez playing top left wing. I could see them moving him back to 2C and and putting JT Comfer on the left wing, but you have Miko Ranton and McKinnon dominating that top line with someone on their left. Uh, Natushkin, Artari Lekkinen are on the second line with probably one of Evan Rodriguez or JT Comfer, and then Matthew Nieto, Lars Eller, Logan O'Connor uh, on the depth there with Newhook and Alex Galchenyuk on the fourth line, probably playing with one of Darren Helmer, Andrew Cogliano, who are out and day-to-day. And then on the blue line, obviously, you got Kale McCarr locking it down. He's going to play a ton of minutes with probably Samuel Gerrard or Devin Taves. 
Uh, and then if they don't play him with Taves, Taves is going to play a ton of minutes as well um, with one of Gerard or Manson. And then you have uh, a long list of guys. I think Bowen Byron will definitely slot in the lineup. And then it'll be the choice of Eric Johnson, Jack Johnson, or Curtis McDermott for the, the sixth guy. I would assume Eric Johnson probably has the lead on that, but definitely will be a quote unquote more physical guy for that sixth defenseman. Um Definitely not as good of a team as last year, but I think still a very, very good team. And um, again, much like last year where I really liked the Arteri Lekkinen pickup at the deadline, I've really liked what Lars Eller has been able to let them do with their depth and even that top six uh, this deadline. No, I completely agree. I mean, this is not this is not the team from last year. There's there's just no around that. I mean, obviously the the injury bug has been it's been brutal them to say the least. I mean, you've had, you know, McCarr m- missing a little bit of time. They haven't had Landis Gog at all. They, you know, McKinnon missed a little bit of time. Manson, like just pretty much a lot of their key players have missed time due to injury. And the fact that they, you know, if they pull this game out are still going to win the division, be downright impressive. Um, but I think, you know, obviously the big difference from last year's team is, I think they do miss Nassim Kadri. I mean, that's just that big bodied center, you know, on that second line, wherever you want to slot him. Um, I think just not having him there, I think, you know, more than anything, as, you know, free agency went on, I think, I think they, they would have loved to have had him back, but it just, you know, you're up against the cap, just it, they weren't able to make it work. And, but I mean, if you have a guy like that on this team, I think, you know, you feel a lot better about their chances, but still, I mean, this is a really talented roster and if they're getting healthy at the right time, obviously not seeing that Landis Gog isn't going to play at all. is just, that's kind of a gut punch for them, but I think there is enough talent here that they can potentially overcome that and, you know, at least make some kind of run at defending um their title this year but it's it's definitely going to be a little more of an uphill battle i think than you know people thought it would have been you know before the season yeah they're not making it to the stanley cup finals only playing 13 games or whatever it was last year right like it's just you know where they swept first round i think it was a five game second maybe six game second round and a sweep in the conference finals like that's not happening this year um and again yeah like if, if you can manage to put um Landeskog on this lineup and then also last year's Nazem Kadri like this would hands down be the favorite to to go back and repeat and there's a good reason they won last year so I, I think maybe if you're a Naz fan the only sliver or not only sliver of all this is a good team but you know when it comes to the missing Kadri thing definitely agree that they miss some you know maybe you're talking yourself into well we we won a couple rounds and, and didn't really miss him when he was hurt last year but uh, I don't know definitely they would rather him in this lineup than be without him but it's just not the case and obviously yeah the land of Scott news sucks, but, but on the defensive side of things, like they haven't changed much from last year. Kale McCarr is going to be as good as ever. Devon Taves, Devon Taves is one of the more underrated players, I think in the league as well. Like I, I think a lot of people think he just kind of rides cockpit with Kale McCarr, but he does so much more than that. And if he really needed to, he could absolutely drive his own line and, and be a top 10 defenseman in my opinion as well. Um, so, you know, they, they have an embarrassment of riches on that blue line as well. Even just the fact that like on a normal year, they can use Bowen Byram on the third pair if they really need to or want to uh it's just it's gross right so um 
This is still a team that's dangerous uh, offensively, really good defensively, and that's why I think we're seeing that guy like Gorgiev succeed behind them where he's obviously having a good year and it's got to be some of it is him, but this system is obviously showing that it's been really goalie friendly, um, just even with guys who have moved on in the past, right? Like we just mentioned Philip Grubauer and how much better he looked behind this system than not. So, um, yeah, I, I really think the Colorado Avalanche have done a great job at um, – you know, just making sure that their goalies are asked to do just what they need to do. And I wouldn't expect that to be any different this playoff run. No, I, I think, you know, you, you ju- there's just no skating around the fact that this is just a different roster. There's, you know, but what they've been able to accomplish with everything that they've dealt with this year is, I think, you know, again, a testament, like you're saying, a testament to the system and how, efficient it's been i mean i still think you're they're in a position where you know if they draw seattle in the opening round like potentially that's a short series you know anytime they can you know obviously any team to play less games is going to be essential but for them i think even more so just because they don't have the depth that they had last year um i think once again much like the postseason last year uh, a guy like Lekin and is going to be huge for them. Had so many big goals uh, throughout the playoffs last year, um, g- game-winning goals, things like that. And I think he's going to be essential to what they do, um, probably playing on that second line on the wing. And I, I, you know what you're going to get from McKinnon. You know what you're going to get from Ranton. Ranton, and he's been, you know, ridiculous this year, maybe more so than maybe anybody would have expected. Um, but he's just, he's an exceptional player. It's going to be a, a ton of fun to watch this team again, try and defend this, this title. But I just, I don't know that they have it in them to make it all the way back this year, just based on the limited depth that they have, at least with the forwards. Yeah, especially because honestly, this I think winning this game tonight against Nashville, again, people are going to know the outcome before we do, obviously, but it's almost critical to get that Seattle matchup because, you know, again, Seattle's an okay team, but they are so much, they are a clear step down from Minnesota. Um, and you, you'd so much rather play Seattle, I think, than Minnesota in the first round because if you got to go through Minnesota and then Dallas and then like, Edmonton or Vegas or someone like that, you know, like that is a much tougher march to the the finals than say, if you get Seattle in the first round, it changes things a little where, yeah, Dallas is not, or Dallas or Minnesota in round two is not going to be an easy out either, but at least you have that one series to kickstart you the right way. And, and you're probably not fighting for your life quite as much uh, right away. So let's get to the, the Dallas and Minnesota team and, and maybe series, you know, again, I, I don't want to fully break it down as a series, but let's break down both of those teams. And, and we'll start with Dallas just because they're the other one that, you know, could be playing Seattle. Maybe they're getting home ice against Minnesota, um, you know, two very sneaky under, rated teams I would say and especially by my standards either uh even like 108 points for Dallas 47 21 14 they have 14 loser points uh plus 67 goal differential this year they finished on a W6 going 8-2 and 0 so they're hot heading into the playoffs um you know this is a really good team you know with Jason Robertson obviously breaking out Rupe Hints and Joe Pavelski has made a an elite first line uh Wyatt Johnson though has been an X factor for them kind of really almost revitalizing Jamie Ben to an extent and Evgeny Dadnov playing on that wing. And then you got some depth in Max Domi, Tyler Sagan, and Mason Marchman. Uh, and then Joel Carvanta, Radic Faxa, and, and Ty Delandra as well. So 
this is a really deep team in the forward core one through one lines, one through four. And, and I think, you know, that's been so effective is they remind me of Seattle in terms of all four lines are really good, but they have that high end talent in guys like Jason Robertson and Joe Pavelski. And, you know, obviously Sagan and Ben aren't what they used to be, but you get Sagan on a power play and it's still dangerous enough. Right. So that that's really where I think this team excels and why you can't count them out of any game. Cause all four lines are, are so dangerous to you. No, I don't, I don't think there's any, any doubt that this, this Dallas team is one of the more talented ones that we've seen in a while from them. Um, and, you know, while I think a lot of people like to think of it as, you know, they're very top heavy with Pavelski, Robertson, Hints, it's really much more than that. And the acquiring Max Domi at the trade deadline was huge. It was that was a huge move to add a player of his caliber to that second line to be that second line center. Tyler Sagan, you know, obviously, you know, not not what he was, but still is a very capable goal scorer. And, you know, Mason Marchman is, you know, not a slouch either. So I think, you know, this team is a lot deeper than I think they're given credit for. Um, you brought up Wyatt Johnston. Um, you know, he I mean, this kid is 19 years old, just playing is played out of his mind this year, really, especially late in the year. And, you know, kind of might be potentially giving Maddie Beneers a run for his money in terms of the call there. I mean, I think Beneers will probably come away with that, but um, Wyatt Johnson has been, been tremendous to watch and, you know, scored again last night and just, he just has a nose for the puck and really just, doesn't make that many mistakes and for a 19 year old kid to be that you know kind of savvy I think is you know pretty impressive to see and I think this stars team and then they have a superb goaltender that you know Jake Ottinger that maybe the casual fan is not as aware of but he's slowly developing into one of the top goalies in the league without a doubt and I think if he plays the way he's capable of this team can go pretty far in the playoffs. I don't think there's any doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Like they have all the pieces in terms of when you look at uh, a contending team, what do you want? You want an elite goaltender? Well, yeah, they got that or pretty close to that. Anyways, uh, you need an elite forward for sure. Well, yep, they've got that. They've got a pair of those, I'd argue, in, in Pavelski. But Jason Robertson's really put himself on that next level as an elite forward. And then if you don't have an elite centerman, you want some good center depth. And uh, hints into Johnston, into Sagan, into Faxa is, you know, a very good one through four where none of them are, like, outstanding for their position. They're all just very good for where they are ranked uh, and appropriately ranked where it's not like they're they're reaching at any position on that center depth. And then you look at their defense core as well. You need well you go well you need a number one d Miro Heiskinen is a very 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 good number one d um and again a guy maybe that not as many people know but uh when you get to watch him it's very easy who he's standing out there and he, you know Ryan Suter is obviously up there in age but he's still solid Essa Lindell Yanni Hankenpaw Thomas Harley Colin Miller um you know it, it obviously starts with um 
with Heiskanen on that decor there, but you know, it's uh, it rounds out behind him nicely enough because he can play those big minutes. So yeah, they really do check off a lot of the boxes that you're looking for in terms of you want a number one forward, a number one defenseman, a number one goalie. And you know, when that number one forward's a winger, you want just good center depth and they absolutely have that as well. And, and Niels Lundqvist is another guy who can draw into that defense core as well and make it even just a little bit better too. So um, yeah, like they, they're just a really well-rounded team and that's why you you definitely can't count them out because against any team they play. I think, you know, if they, if Colorado wins and they're playing Minnesota, I think they should be favored against Minnesota. I do think that'll be a good series, go six or seven games um, as we'll get into Minnesota in a second. But if they're playing Seattle, same thing. I, I think they should be beating Seattle in five or six. And then if a matchup against Colorado does happen in round two this year, I think it'll be very close to be honest like between those two teams. Like I don't think it'll be much more than say 54, um, 46 the other way in terms of percentages. No, I am. I'm completely with you. I think this, I mean, this stars team, it, it, I think it kind of speaks to where the West is at this year. Um, there's really no, I don't think elite team really Colorado is, like we said, dealt with the injuries, dealt with, you know, not having some of the guys from last year's team and, you know, has hurt them a little bit. And then, you know, Vegas has been the top team points wise in the West, but, you know, they're vulnerable as well. So it's kind of like, why not the stars? Why can't they make a deep playoff run? The All the pieces are right there. I mean, I don't, they're not suffering in the scoring department. They have, a pretty strong defense and you have, you know, a top six, seven, eight goaltender in the league, probably in Jake Ottinger, it's all there. So I think, I think this team is really got the potential to make a run potentially all the way to the final. If they want to, I think the talent is there. They are definitely that good that they can do that. Yep, I, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. And then the final team here, who we know will be on the road against one of Dallas or Colorado's start their season. And again, like a really good, I feel bad for this team because a really good roster. It feels like they've had a, a good roster for a number of years, but like just behind like some really good Colorado teams and St. Louis for a couple of years there. And now Dallas, uh, the Minnesota Wild, 103 points in 82 games, 46, 25 and 11 they did a lot of this without Caprasov uh, for part of the year as well, which was really impressive. Um, but, you know, they they, they have a, another team that's probably a little quieter or um, sneaky good offensively. Um, you know, they have Zuccarello, uh, Kaprasov, Erickson Eck, uh, Marcus Foligno. Um, they picked up Gustav Nyquist as well. Uh, and then um, Frederick Goudreau is there as well. He just signed an extension today as well. Five years at two point something, I want to say. Um, Marco Rossi stepped in this year as well. Nick Patan's kind of found a, a bit of a home there, um, as, as well. And then, you know, the, once you get a little more down to the depth, like they're, they're playing guys like Ryan Hartman and Ryan Reeves, Oscar Sundquist. Like, I, I don't love, that's where I think they kind of fall off compared to the Dallas and Colorado's of their third, fourth lines, maybe aren't quite as strong, but, um, still a sneaky, good team that, you know, I think they will definitely be underdogs in whatever game series they start. But that being said, if any team goes in thinking, oh, this will be an easy four or five game series, they're going to be quickly disappointed. No, I think that's true. I mean, the town is definitely there for 
for the wild. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They're but they are very top heavy. Um but I think more so this year it was really impressive to see Matt Boldy kind of break out, especially late in the year, really finish the year strong. Um really putting the puck in the net. And if that if Boldy is a guy that they can count on from a goal scoring standpoint, I think that takes, you know, a decent amount of the pressure off of uh, Kaprizov, um, some of these guys on the top line. And I think that just gives the Wild another weapon that they can use um, dependent, regardless of who they play, because they're they're going to need, I think, much like much like Vegas kind of in the way. Maybe they're not quite as, you know, tapped in terms of depth, but. They're going to need basically their star players to play like that and put the puck in the net. I don't think there's any any doubt that if, you know, Kaprizov or Boldy, Zuccarello, if those guys aren't performing, I think, you know, depending on, you know, depending on who they play, I think it, it would probably be a wrap. So um, I think Boldy is probably going to be one that I think could be a true X factor in this you know in this series regardless of who they play and if he comes up big i think that could go a long way towards deciding it yeah that's a that's a great point i i completely overlooked him because he, he wasn't even in the line uh the daily face of lineup so i i completely uh overlooked him when naming through and i do think the um if there's one real highlight of this team it is defense and, and you know obviously their goaltending we'll get to that in a second they've looked really good but their defenses have really made their goalies look good for a number of years and Jared Spurgeon's amazing Jonas Brodine is very solid as well uh Matt Dumba you know maybe not quite what he was a couple of years ago but it's a four or five option he's good they picked up John Klingberg for some depth and, and Kalen Addison has been in that a lot like pretty good when he's been in the lineup and uh Jacob Middleton will also be a staple on that bottom pair then you got Alex Goligoski and John Merrill's depth as well. So they they really just have a very deep defensive core, but they also have the high-end talent in guys like Rodine and Spurgeon. So um, if it's if they're going to win a series, it's definitely going to be because of the defensive play and trying to stymie some of these deep offenses that we've talked about in the Western Conference. No, I think that's true. I mean, their, their defense is, I feel like, kind of underrated. Um to some extent, um, I mean, when you're able to pick up a John Klingberg who, you know, everyone kind of thought he might get a big money contract that didn't happen. He signs the one year deal with the Ducks and, you know, they just ship him out pretty much for peanuts at the deadline. And, you know, if the Wild are able to put somebody like that on your five, six pairing, I mean, I don't think you can ever argue with that kind of depth. Your top four is obviously that talented. Um, so. I think having that key defensive core is allowed their goaltenders to play really well. And, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury was kind of, you know, the last couple of years kind of up and down, you know, when he was with Chicago was he was, you know, kind of looked like a shell of what he used to be. Was that partly playing because he was playing for the Blackhawks and they just weren't a great team, you know, what was the situation, but um, he's had a, a pretty strong year. Uh, Philip Gustafson has been also very good. It'll be interesting to see how they kind of divvy up that um, rotation for the playoffs, who kind of gets to take the reins when whoever they end up playing, when the series starts. Uh, but this, I mean, the wild, they, they probably won't be favored, but they're a team that can is definitely capable of beating a Colorado 
um, if that matchup is something that comes up. Yeah, for sure. And the goaltending, I'm glad you hit on that because it is interesting. I think just looking at their stats, you think it probably should be Gustafson who's got a 931 in 37 games or something like that. And Fleury's got a 908 in 46, but just the the veteran, I, I think they will probably start with Fleury, I would assume. Um, you know, but I, I, again, that'll be an interesting one of how much rope do you give a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury, who has had his ups in playoffs and his downs in playoffs. So, um, and, and even over the, you know, it's, it's ranged over a decade and a half, really, where it hasn't been a constant strange where we've seen him be really good at times in with Vegas and whatnot. And yeah, not so good at times with other teams. So, um, I, I think Fleury will probably get the start, but yeah, as a, as a Sens fan, it's it's hurt a little to see Gustafson do so good training him one for one for Cam Talbot. Um, but I, I think it's more than fair to say the defensive system props goaltenders up a little bit there. So um yeah, I I do think Minnesota's a team where you you just you can't take them lightly. I think they're they're obviously clearly the third best team in their division, but that's a very solid division, and you know they shouldn't be ashamed of being the third best team there. So uh, it'll be really interesting to see. I think I'd have them losing in, I'll say six against Dallas and losing in seven against Colorado. Yeah, I think that, I think that's fair. I mean, could they pull off the upset against Colorado? I I definitely think that is possible. Is that something if I like that, I'd be willing to, you know, put my money where my mouth is. Maybe I wouldn't go that far, but I think it's definitely in the realm of possibilities. Um, but I think the stars are definitely, um, I don't want to say, you know, levels above, but I think you can say that they're definitely the better team. And I think in in a series, I think Dallas would definitely have the upper hand and I think would win, yeah, probably in around six. I mean, maybe Minnesota forces it to seven if they're, you know, they do get some pretty superb goaltending, but I think for the most part, um, I would say it that would probably be a series that's over in six if that's what the matchup is. Yep, I tend to agree. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Chris. Uh, plug some stuff. Where can people find you and all, all your stuff? Yeah, um, you can find me on cbssports.com. Just click on the NHL tab. I am always writing there. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, C Bengal B E N G E L CBS on Twitter. Absolutely can't recommend going check that out enough. And again, thank you so much for filling in here. This was uh, between this one and the Eastern Conference. You know, I think we hit over two hours of content, and I've been really happy with all of it. So uh, thank you so much for joining. And if, as always, if anyone wants to find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff. Chase on Twitter is at CMHockey66. You can find my other podcast, The Last Word on Send Podcast, wherever you're listening to this, and all my work at lastwordhockey.com. Chase is on actionnetwork.com as well. And some exciting news for the Eminem Hockey Podcast. We are starting to go Monday and Thursdays uh, throughout the playoffs. Uh, it'll be a temporary thing. We'll probably go back to one episode a week during the summer. Before the playoffs, we want to get as much content out as possibly can. So look for us in your... Um, your podcast feeds every Monday and Thursday is when we're going to be looking to post, um, breaking down all the latest that's happening in the league, but especially the playoffs. So thank you everyone so much for listening and we'll talk to you all next week.